Looks like a blast, doesn't it? I mean, like, what makes you happy? When I was in middle school, there was nothing that made me more happy than going to a party. I remember going to a party as a middle school kid, and it wasn't the kind of party where, like, things got completely out of control, like the scary kind of middle school party where you're just like, how in the world did this happen? Alcohol, drugs, sex. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that kind of party. I'm not talking about the college party. I'm talking about the middle school party where the best part of the party was... No parents were around. Like they were upstairs, but we were downstairs and they were upstairs. And that was a beautiful thing to go to a party. Like I want to go hang out with all my friends where the parents are up there. And I thought because they're up there and we're down here, this is like a whole other world. And so when I was in middle school, all I wanted to do was every weekend I wanted to get to where I could find a party where there was parents upstairs and all the kids downstairs, where we could just hang out and just be silly and just drink Mountain Dew. I mean, whatever it was that we were going to do. And one, one kind of fall, I, I was going to party after party. It was like every weekend there was another party. Every weekend there was another party. And uh, playing sports and going to school and having to get up early and get on the bus and all that stuff, it started to catch up with me. And one uh, Friday night, I came home from school and I said, Dad, there's another party tonight. I got to go to this party. This is like, it's the biggest party. It was like this girl's house, Kristen Deaver. She was like my third girlfriend. And she, she, um, she had this party. It was in her basement. She had like this huge basement with like this, this uh, disco ball down there. And it was like, dude, we we're going to go down there and the parents are going to be upstairs and the kids are going to be downstairs. And I'm like, Dad, I got to go. This is like of all the parties, of all the other parties, this is the party I got to go to. And my dad was just like, no. And I was like, wait, why, why, why? I went to all the other parties. He's like, you can't go tonight. And I'm like, what? I've gone to every other party. Sorry, you can't go to this one. Dad, I'm like a good kid. This is me. Dad, I'm a good kid. I had like six brothers and two sisters. Some of them were way off the deep end struggling with, with really difficult, like real stuff. And I was like the good kid. All I wanted to do was go to the party in the basement where the parents were upstairs. That's all I wanted to do. And I was like, Dad, I started to lobby. Dad, I get all my homework done. Like I, I'm, I'm like getting mostly B's. Like I'm doing fine. Like, I, I, dad, like, come on. Like, I, I, like, I'm, I'm a good kid. Like, I'm not making any mistakes. Like, I'm not, like, using drugs. I'm not drinking. I'm not, uh, come on. Like, why can't I go to this party? And my dad's just like, no, you're not allowed to go. And it just elevated from there. Dad, I am in middle school. I cannot be the one kid at home when all my friends are at the parents' house with the parents upstairs. And I would go up into my room and I would just like cry and like yearn over this idea that I was missing that moment. You ever been there, right? When you were a kid, like I'm missing that. They're all out there and I'm in here and my life stinks and their life is awesome. And my dad is the reason why my life stinks because he won't let me go. So finally I go upstairs and I sulk and I sulk and I come back downstairs and I lobby again and I'm like, dad, why? Why can't I go? Give me a good reason why I can't go. And my dad uttered the most famous four words that we've all heard as kids. And as parents, we have all said, and when we said them, we went, oh no, I said I would never say this. 
But they said it anyway, and my dad uttered those four words, and you know what those four words on the count of three, we're all going to say them together. Ready? One, two, three, because I said so. And I went, that's not good enough. The parents are upstairs. And this drove me nuts because I said so. You know, let's just break this down. Because that's not a reason. I, who are you, said what you say is stupid. I mean, just as a kid, right? Just This is wrong. So, because I said so, you are losing your mind, Dad. The parents are upstairs. And I'm missing out. And it just made me so mad. I mean, I remember literally, like, just holding on to the railing, like, every muscle, like, oh, because I said so is not good enough. And it's so funny, as I, as I look back on that, I realize what my dad was saying. Like, I realize what this meant. And as parents, like, we don't always say things the right way. But what he meant was true. And really what my dad was doing in this moment was he was asking me to put his faith in him. Here's a translation of this. This is another way to say because I said so. This is like the more maybe articulate way. He was saying this. He was saying, Joel, do what I say, even though you don't understand it or agree with it. Now, that probably wouldn't have made me feel better or made me respond better. But maybe another way is he he would have just said, Joel, I'm asking you to trust me. I don't think that this is the best thing for you. And maybe I know something that you don't. So you're not going to the party. And I realized that, like, as parents and And as my dad did, that parents are constantly asking their kids to put their faith in them. Because kids can't see all that's going on. They don't understand everything that's important. They don't understand all the parameters of safety. They don't understand what's good and what's bad necessarily. And they certainly don't have the wisdom that they need to make it through. And that's what parents are there for. Parents are there to guide their kids, to make decisions, to live their life in such a way that's good even if they don't understand it and they don't agree with it. And that really is faith a lot of the time. You know, another definition of faith that I just kind of spin off of this is this. Faith is doing what God asks, even though we don't understand it or agree with it. God says to us so many times, he says, I want you to do something. And we may look at that, and it may seem just like because I said so. And we go, God, come on, give me more than that. And he goes, that's all I got, because I said so. I'm asking you to trust me. I know you may not understand this, and I may you know, may not agree with this, but I'm asking you to trust me. And so this morning, I want to show you that this because I said so mentality, that this put your faith in God mentality, this has been happening since the very beginning with the very first family. In the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they have kids, and they have these two little boys named Cain and Abel. And in Hebrews chapter 11, which is a New Testament book that is hearkening back, it's it's talking about what happened in the Old Testament, and it's talking about faith. We see Cain and Abel, these two boys, and we see not necessarily Adam and Eve saying, trust me, not necessarily Adam and Eve saying, because I said so, but God their father communicating to both Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel that they need to put their faith in God. And what happens in in, in Genesis 
with the story of Cain and Abel. And what happens in Hebrews chapter 11 is we see that God asked Cain and Abel to give an offering. To give. Now for our context today, I'm talking about your finances. This is a series called Happy and we're talking about giving. And this story is all about bringing a gift to God. And in the story of Cain and Abel, God went to them and and God went to his, their parents too, and he said, you guys are supposed to worship me. And what you're going to do is you're going to worship me by taking what is most important to you, what you're really, really good at, what you love the most, and you are going to bring it to me. You are going to offer it to me. Now, in the text, there is no explanation. There is no reason why. There is no understanding, and you don't get the sense that Cain and Abel necessarily agreed with it. All we see is that God said to the people that were on earth at the time, these four people, you guys need to take what you're about, the best of it, the first part of it, and you need to bring it to me. And you can just go to that spot, right? Because what you see is you see that you have Cain and Abel, and Cain... He was a guy that worked on vegetation. He, he was like a farmer. He was the herbivore. He was the vegetarian. And God went to Cain and he said, hey, you work the ground and I want you to give me the first part of your harvest and the best part of your harvest. I want you to give it to me. And you can just see Cain like working and then like kind of standing on his shovel and going like, why? Well, because... I said so. Yeah, but God, like, I'm, I'm out here, right? Like, I'm, I'm out here. Like, I'm, I'm working. Like, I'm doing all this work. And I know you are. And when, when, when your harvest comes in, I have a little spot over there behind that hill. And I want you, Cain, to take the best and the first part of what comes out of this ground, and I want you to bring it to me. And Cain goes, no, can we just talk about this? Not really. Not really. In a certain way, God was saying to Cain, I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to put your faith in me. I'm asking you to do what I say, even though you don't understand it or agree with it. And I have a reason for that, but I'm not going to share it with you. After all, you probably wouldn't understand it anyway. Then Cain kind of goes back, whatever, okay. And he starts working. Then God goes over to Abel, and Abel was, uh, he worked with animals. Tended to, he's probably like a shepherd or a farmer that took care of the, the pigs and the cows. And he's milking cows. I don't know, maybe he's sitting there milking a cow. That's awkward. God comes up to him, and he's sitting there milking a cow. And he says, hey, um, when you slaughter this cow for food, I want you to bring the best part. And the scripture actually says the fat, which meant the best part. Now, in our society, the fat is not the best part because we missed the boat on taste. <laughs> but here you got your carnivore, you got your meat eater, and he's sitting there working with him, and he knows all about the cow and the best part of the cow, and God comes up to him, and he says, Abel, when you slaughter this cow for food, I want you to give me the fattiest, best part, and I want you to bring it to me first. And Abel kind of stops, and you just kind of see him, like, push up his straw hat. Huh? Why? And Jesus says what? Those famous four words, right? 
Because I said so. Man, you don't have a reason for me right now? Listen, all I'm telling you is that I want you to take this animal. Bring me the first and the best part. He goes, all right. And then he went away. And Cain and Abel both worked. And their harvest produced and the animals slaughtered. And then it says this in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. What that means is very simply, God went to Cain and said, I want the first and the best. And God went to Abel and he said, I want the first and the best. And when Cain showed up, he brought the seconds, the thirds, the mediocre portion of his harvest, and he sat it down in front of God. And he thought, maybe God doesn't know what he's doing, and and I'm just going to give him what I think is important, and I'm just going to give him what I want to give him, and I'm not going to do what he asked me to do because I don't understand it, and I don't agree with it, so I'm going to do it my way. And that's what Cain brought. Then Abel, he shows up, and he's got the fattiest, best part, the filet mignon of the cow. He brings it there and puts it in front of God. And God looks at both of these offerings. Both gave something, but one gave a better than the other. And that means that he put his faith in God. You see, Abel did what God wanted him to do because he trusted God. He took a leap. He looked at his circumstances. He looked what God had given him. He looked what he had in his hands, and he listened to God, and he said, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Then it says this, two verses later, about God's perspective of those of us that will sit back and let God be God. In Hebrews 11, one verse later, it says this. It says, and without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. When Abel brought what God asked him to bring, not understanding it or necessarily agreeing with it, he did it by faith. He just said, okay, God, you're God. I'm going to give you what you asked. It made God really happy because he went, I didn't have to explain everything. They didn't have every detail. There was something bigger than understanding and agreeing that was going on in Abel's heart. It was, I believe in the person. I believe in God. I believe in the creator. He must be in control. He must understand something I don't understand. I don't have to agree with him to do what he asked because he is God. After all, if I understood everything about God, would he still be God? If I agreed with everything that God said, would he still be God? No. He's supposed to say things that I don't understand. He's supposed to say things that I don't agree with. And I'm supposed to trust him. And when God sees a heart like that, when he sees someone that goes, okay, it makes me happy. It makes him come alive. It makes him giddy. 
I just want you to think God's standing there and Cain comes up and he brings the leftovers and he brings the, the, the second and the third best part. He goes, oh man, he, he doesn't need the offering. He doesn't need the, the salad. He doesn't need it. It's not about God getting something. It's about the heart of the person giving something to God. And he goes, oh, you don't understand. The best in the first part that you left over in your field, I gave that to you and I can give more to you and you don't even trust to give it back to me. And he stands there and he looks at Abel and he goes, I don't need this fat. I don't need the best. I don't need the first. I want your heart. I want you to trust that when I ask you to do something that you're willing to do it because I'm God. Who wants to bring the seconds and the leftovers to God? I went to a wedding a couple years ago, and I don't think the bride and the groom knew this. But we went down to get the salad, and the salad was in a big bowl, and it was frozen. And I was like, dear Lord, this is their wedding. We're eating frozen salad. I literally had to chip away my salad out the bowl. Dump some salad on there, and it was like I had ice chips on my plate. If I didn't keep my plate level, it would slide off. I thought, there's no way that the bride wants to serve frozen salad at her wedding. But yet some of us serve frozen salad to God. We bring the seconds, we bring the thirds, and ultimately all it means is, I don't trust you. You don't know, you don't understand, and I don't agree. And therefore, in a really slight, subtle way, you think you're smarter than God. You think you're better than God. You think you get life better than God gets life. And that's sad. And he says, when you do what I say, whether you understand it or agree with it, it makes me happy. Because here's what happens. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists. He is real. He is God. He is creator. And believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him in the context of Cain and Abel. There is a man who doesn't seek after God, but seeks after himself and Cain. And there's a man in Abel who for some reason said, I'm going to seek after God. And ultimately, God did reward Abel. Now, if you know the story, you know what happened. Cain got upset at the way that God viewed their offerings. He took Abel out into a field and killed him. So what am I saying today? If you're like Abel, you might die today. No. The story of Cain and Abel is so beautiful. You see, when the scriptures were written, there were certain things that were placed inside of it on purpose. And the author of the text in Genesis didn't have to put in the story of Cain and Abel, but the reason he did was not because of what happened to Abel because of his faith, but because Abel had such great faith. And the scripture teaches that after Abel died, that the story of Abel would live on for all of human existence. 
And in kind of a weird, sovereign, God way, the faith of Abel is lifted up today. And so you have to ask yourself, who are you in the story? Do you put your faith in God? Do you do what he asks, whether you agree with it or not? You see, faith can be this very ethereal thing. It can just be this dream. It can just be this idea. It can just be a feeling. But the scriptures actually teach that there is an overlap between what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your hands. And that when you truly trust God, that there is pure evidence of it. That when you truly put your faith in God, that people can see it. And God can see if you are willing to trust him with your finances. And God can see if you're willing to put your faith in him. And when you do, it puts a smile on God's face. Faith puts a smile on God's face. In another form, your faith makes God happy. It makes him happy. It makes him come alive. It makes him go, oh, yes. I mean, as a parent, don't you get this? You couldn't find the words. You're frustrated. You're telling your kid what to do. They're not doing it. You just give them some rules, some guidelines. You know it's better for them, and they do it, and you go, oh, I'm so glad they did that. I don't have time to explain to this dumb kid. He couldn't understand it anyway. One day. He'll understand. And here's a story. You know, here, here's, here's me, right? This is, this is my life. My dad not wanting me to go to the party with the parents upstairs. Now I get it. Now I get it. My son had a fever yesterday. We were supposed to go to a friend's house for a party, for a hangout time with other friends. We decided not to go. He was frustrated. I didn't sit my four-year-old down and go, now, son, you have a fever. That's going to drain your body of energy. You're going to be tired. As soon as you go over there for one hour and you don't stop playing with those friends, you are going to be a miserable mess, and you're going to be up all night, and I will not be able to do anything for you. I just said, Kellen, we're not going. And he went, oh, I want to play with friends. I said, I know you do. I know you don't understand. But I really want to go. I think we should go. You said we were going to go. I changed my mind. He didn't agree with me, and he didn't understand now I get it. God asks us to do stuff all the time in the moment, especially if we're young Christians, if we're just starting, if we're just learning. He's asking you to put your faith in him. You see, when you give to the local church, you are giving to God. Not to me. Not to 514 Church. We're just the representative. We're just the, the portal. We just hold it for God and say, God, I'm here to do your work. But you're the ones, it's between you and God to decide if you're going to do what he asks. This isn't really a feel-good message. This is a step-up message. This is a, this is a humble-yourself message. This is a come on, let's, let's get it together and really have big, robust faith in a God who the Scriptures say when we put our faith in him, it makes him happy, and then he rewards us. Do you know that when you trust God in every area of your life, that he is going to bless you tremendously? I have never, ever in my life challenged someone to give financially to the church, see them do it, and have them come back a year later and say, God didn't supply my needs. 
If you haven't put your faith in God, it's because you don't understand how good he is. If you haven't trusted him financially, it's because you don't understand his character. You see, the reason, one of the main reasons that God asked Cain and Abel to give their first and to give their best was to, in some supernatural way, communicate to every single one of us that that is the way that he operates. You see, because when God sent his son to the earth, he gave the best. He gave the first, his firstborn one and only son. He sent his son and he gave him to us so that we could have eternal life. Imagine God saying, what if I didn't give you my best? If I didn't give you my best and you didn't learn what it means to give the best, then we would all be in a mess continually. I want you to see how important it is to give your best because that's the way I am and I want you to grow up and be like your dad. Faith puts a smile on God's face. It makes him happy. So I want to challenge your faith. I want to challenge you. Are you in a space where you will step out, where you will go and you will say, I'm going to do what God asked me to do, even though I don't understand it? I talk to people all the time about giving. They look at their finances. They go, I don't make enough money to give. Don't understand it. You know, the church seems fine. I don't know why I need to give. Don't, don't agree with it. It's one of those two things for every single one of you that hasn't made a decision to put your faith in God. You don't understand it. You don't agree with it. So here's my job as a pastor. It is to move you towards dependence on God. Will you start to depend on God financially? Will you put your faith in him with your finances and see how he blesses you. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about the best financial investment strategy known to man. But today, I want to just ask you this question. Will you put your faith in God? Is his face being happy enough? Next week, we're going to talk more about this in a practical way. Don't skip church because I'm talking about money. This is about your faith. Money is a window into your soul and your faith. You want to grow in your faith? You got to figure this piece out. God's asking an offering from you. He's saying, I want the first, I want the best because I want you to trust me. And I believe if what half of God's life and what we know of it is true, then he is worth trusting. So I'm going to say a prayer for you guys. A, A prayer for our increased faith. God, thank you so much for this story. Thank you for putting a smile on our face as we give. Please increase our disbelief 
please increase our lack of faith. Some of us have just chosen not to agree with you and trust you, and therefore we do not understand how powerful you are as maker of heaven and earth. Help us to have a new perspective. God, help it to be enough for you to say, because I said so, because of who you are. We love you. Thank you for this morning, in Jesus' name, amen.